0: Welcome in, everybody. It's what we do every Friday. Time to get in the cage. It's brought to you by the Emerald Queen Casino, and it's been a while since I've had a chance to catch up with this guy who does a brilliant job covering the sport of MMA for MMAfighting.com. You read his stuff there. Also, if you're into movies, TV shows, nerdcoremovement.com is where you can find his work as well. Talking about our buddy Damon Martin is here. Damon, how are you, man?
1: I am good. I'm good. Thanks for having me as always.
0: Yeah, good to talk to you and we got uh, a a massive card coming up this weekend. I want to What what do you how do you uh how do you take in Conor McGregor? He's a guy that uh, you know, I had a chance to interview a few times before he truly blew up to where he is now. It was before the first Aldo fight or the Aldo fight. Um for my purposes as just a guy talking to him, great guy, really really energetic, really entertaining, really thoughtful answers all my interactions have been great. So he's a guy that's very, for me, very easy to root for. But then you read about, you know, legal troubles off outside of the cage and what he's going through in terms of a civil suit now and what he's been accused of. And I, I, I conflicted when I read that stuff about any athlete. But as as Connor is set to take the uh, cage this weekend, you, you're sort of drawn to that question. How do you deal with him or any athlete that has something outside of what we cover that is uh, untoward, to say the least?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult, and it's, uh, you know, it's unsettling. I mean, listen, you know, the allegations that are out there, the civil suit that's out there, I mean, again, we don't know, you know, what exactly happened. No one really does, and obviously the courts will, you know, hear evidence and find out what actually was true and what not, what's not. I know, you know, no legal charges were ever filed. Doesn't mean anything didn't, you know, anything wrong didn't happen, but, yeah, obviously, he never got arrested or went to jail for anything, but yeah, it is. It can be conflicting for sure because, you know, obviously, we're covering these guys and girls as athletes. You know, we're interested in their athletic accomplishments and what they're doing, uh, you know, in the cage or on the field or whatever the case may be, uh, and it is conflicting when you deal with these kind of things. I mean, listen, Connor. you know, Connor has been his own worst enemy at moments. You know, I, obviously, you know, with the bus attack, or, you know, back a couple of years ago and smacking the phone out of the fan's hand when he was leaving a hotel in Miami, obviously punching the guy in Ireland, which is not good. So he's done a lot of, you know, what you would kind of define as like behavior. Uh, Obviously what's going on with the civil suit is something on a whole other level. And again, I'm not really going to speak to that because I don't know the truth and I don't think anybody outside of what actually happened knows exactly what's, what's going on with that. But yeah, it is, it's tough, but I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's the business. I mean, like I said, just like you, all of my interactions with Connor have always been great. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever shared this story publicly, but since it's Counter Fight Weekend, I guess I will. Uh, you know, when I, I previously worked at Fox Sports and, and when Fox Sports basically, you know, more or less got rid of their writing department their all their writers, uh, which uh, if you're following the sport, you're probably well aware of that from a few years ago. Uh, you know, Connor reached out to me on Twitter and was just like, man, you know, I was so sorry to hear that. They, you know, They made a mistake letting you go, that kind of stuff. But that, that really meant a lot to me. Like, he didn't have mm. to do that. But, like, he, you know, reached out to me directly and, like, let me know that. And I just, you know, little things like that mean a lot. So, on a personal level, I've had nothing but great interactions with Connor. Uh, interviews have always been great. He's never been anything but gracious to me and, and kind to me personally. Uh, but, again, you know, that doesn't excuse any kind of outside the cage behavior.
0: Yeah, yeah, so it's, I mean, you're in the same position and you're dealings with somebody, you know, and again, not just Connor, there, there are lots of athletes in all sports that are different people out off the field outside of the cage or, you know, live a different life. And it's, it's hard to draw that line between the two, but just talking about who he is now as a fighter. And last we saw him in there against Cowboy Cerrone, he looked fantastic for as long as it lasted. Uh, there There are people talking about, you know, hey, this guy has made millions upon millions. He's set for life. He's got generational wealth. He's not the same guy that came up, which is true. It'd be impossible to be that same guy. But it's more of a question of desire. And is he a guy that you think still is is as tenacious or is driven as he once was to be? something special to be the man to be the champ champ everything he talked about before do you feel like he's still that same guy or is it a matter of wait and see and see what we look what he looks like in the cage
1: well you know i can only speak to what i've been told and what i've heard from people around connor and his team and things like that everything everything seems to be pointing in the proper direction of him really being motivated really being back and you know really highly involved in the sport and his training and, and getting ready for this particular fight i think you know, the unfortunate side of last year was, you know, Connor seemed to have that same kind of attitude going into the Cowboy Cerrone fight. He goes in there and obliterates him in forty seconds or whatever it was. And then unfortunately the pandemic hit and then we had this weird situation with the title going on where you know Habib didn't you know couldn't get into the country or, or didn't want to leave Russia, couldn't get into the country, and so they had to reschedule a title fight and you know Connor was trying to get in the mix of all that and that ended up being kind of a mess, and then he had this very public got kind of war of words with Dana White over releasing those, you know, private messages from Twitter, and uh, that got kind of ugly. He retired, you know, so it's kind of weird because I feel like Conor was in this headspace a year ago. It's just the world happened, the pandemic happened, and, and it kind of squashed his plan to fight two or three times last year. And so now it's almost like we're restarting it now. And again, everything I'm hearing is he's motivated, he wants to stay active, he wants to stay busy. You know, this is the first of what will hopefully be several fights this year. But again, you just never know until it all plays out. You know what's actually happening in a person's head.
0: As far as his opponent and Dustin Poirier, a guy I love watching. I think he's a he's a class individual. Another guy that's easy to root for. Uh, outside of the Khabib submission, he lost to him. He's he's been on a heck of a tear. Uh, and, and people obviously point to their first meeting. He lost. He got taken out in the first round. But that was back in 2014, and. And he's lost what twice since then. Um, what, what? How different is he when you when you watch? Well, obviously, we've all seen the highlights of the first fight over and over and over. Uh, this is you know almost seven years later. How much different of a fighter is he, in your opinion?
1: Well, it's it's night and day in in so many ways. I mean, the easiest you know the easiest thing to point out at the start is the weight class difference. You know, Dustin used to just kill himself to get down to one hundred and forty five pounds, and and looking back now and. And having been around Dustin, you know, in training camp, I went down to American Top Team a couple of years ago uh, before his fight with Eddie Alvarez. And he was sparring with uh, George Mazdal, Jorge Mazdal. And, uh, and, you know, they you were know, basically the same size. I mean, you know, more or less the same size. You know, obviously Mazdal's a guy who fights at 170. Uh, you know, they, you know were, <laughs> there, was no, there was no size difference really between those two. So this is a guy who really killed himself to get down to 145 pounds. So that's one. And I think that can answer a question of like the chin, the ability to take a punch, because, you know, for those that are not aware, when you're cutting weight, you're pulling water out of your brain. And, and, and it is a very real thing that, you know, people who have been, you know, really dehydrated to make weight, you know, are more susceptible to knockouts. Uh, so that's one part. And that's probably the easiest one to point out. But the one I would say the biggest difference between Dustin Poirier of now and the Dustin Poirier that you saw back in 2014 is his strategy and the way he actually fights. And what I mean by that is Dustin was a guy who really was fed by emotion early in his career. You hit him once, he wants to hit you back. You hit him, you know, it was kind of like that, you know, give or get, you know, kind of give and take with him. He needed to get punched a couple times to really get amped up and angry and fighting. And now he's much more strategic. You know, he, he's not the guy who's going to go in there and just bite down on his mouthpiece and start swinging punches until one of you falls over. He's very calculating. He's got a great boxing coach in Dia Davis. His head coach, Mike Brown, has really got him dialed in. And I think the biggest difference that that will or won't make a difference in this fight is his defense. Because before, again, Dustin was more than willing to eat a punch to give a punch. Now he wants to dish out that punishment much more than he wants to take it. And I think that's the key, especially against a sniper like Conor McGregor, who has power and huge accuracy.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious. He, I, I recognize the change certainly in his defense, but you could go back to the Justin Gagey fight, which was just a all-out war between those two, like every Gagey fight. Um, he's a guy that's, despite you know all the wins and everything that's gone his way outside of Khabib recently, he's taken some damage. I, I look at Anthony Pettis the same way. Exciting, he gets in there, but man, they 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 come out and they've they've taken a lot of damage. You see any downside to that, in, or uh, obviously there's a downside. Have you seen any impact from that, in your opinion?
1: You know, not truly, but, but again, I think there's a couple of factors you got to look at with that. You know, one, you know, you don't want, I mean, it's, it's, you know, anyone who's fought Justin Gaethje will tell you, you don't walk out of that fight feeling like you won, even if you <laughs> win the fight. You know, that guy just, he is such an offensive machine to, like, I remember talking to Dustin after that fight, like, maybe three days later, and he's like, it literally feels like I went in a car crash. Like, he won the fight, but his body was just so beat up because that's just what Gage does. And, and Eddie Alvarez, another guy he beat, is very similar, very durable guy. You know, can really pour on the offense. And then defensively, maybe that's where their problems are, which obviously it proved in both of those because Dustin knocked both of those guys out. But those are two examples of guys who are just highly offensive fighters, and it's really hard to get out of there uh without you know taking some kind of damage so i think that's one thing you have to point out but the other side of that being when you look at what like Connor McGregor did to a guy like eddie alvarez you know who is a very good fighter former champion and, and connor just kind of picked him apart and never allowed eddie to do much of anything in that fight now again that may be an anomaly because eddie just seemed like he was just you know, overwhelmed by that moment uh but dustin is a guy who you know he cannot allow connor to get into a rhythm and start hitting him because Connor is actually you know, pretty solid defensively in his own right, but his 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 left hand is devastating. His accuracy is really really good, and Dustin can't go in there and allow you know Connor to land two and three and four punch combinations at the, at the opening in the first round because that will just spell disaster. Because unlike guys like Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez, who obviously have fight finishing power, Connor also has that accuracy and, and that kind of one punch you know, finishing shot kind of power that even, you know, a guy like Gaethje, while he does have it, he's more of a volume. You know, he's going to chip away at you, put you away. Eddie Alvarez, he's going to chip away at you, put you away. Connor needs one. He just needs one clean shot to land and your you're night's nice over. And so Dustin's got to be aware of that.
0: All right. Which way are you leaning in this one?
1: You know, it's you know I I hope we get a really good fight out of this when I do because I'm such a fan of Dustin Poirier both in and out of the cage. But I just think it's impossible to pick against Connor. I think Connor's uh, you know the accuracy, he's a sniper from the outside. That left hand is deadly, uh, and, and and I think that I just I just think overall he puts on the kind of damage that I don't think Poirier can withstand. And and I think Connor gets you done. All
0: right, last one before I let you go. Again, we're speaking from before – speaking to excuse me damon martin from mmafighting.com uh the debut of michael chandler and he actually goes up against poirier's most recent opponent dan hooker uh i i kind of put chandler in that same same category as in eddie alvarez not because they fought in the same promotion but gagey he's he's just a blood and guts fighter he's going to knock you out he's going to get knocked out he's going to take damage he's going to deliver damage um I think he's a, he's as gutty and as tough as they come. I don't think he's a special fighter, though, if I'm being honest. Uh, what, what What is your take on Chandler and, and just his skill set and how he stacks up?
1: You know, I'm a, I'm a really, really big fan of Michael Chandler, and I think he's one of those guys that's coming into the UFC where people are saying, you know, is he really on this level? And I would argue he absolutely is. I mean, considering the worst he went through with Eddie Alvarez, who, you know, after two fights with Michael Chandler, went on to become UFC champion, you look at it, you know, his last fight; he knocked out Benson Henderson, who was a former UFC champion. So this guy has fought legit competition and beaten most of them, and, and beaten most of them handily. You know, he's not a guy who's, who's lost a lot during his career. I think he's legit as they come. What will that mean in the UFC? We'll wait and see. I mean, I've talked to Michael about it. You know, he is a former NCAA All American wrestler. He just doesn't use his wrestling that often, but he has promised. You know, he's going to use his grappling when necessary. He's going to use his wrestling and rely on that when needed. Uh he might need that against a guy, a very tall, rangy guy like Dan Hooker. But uh yeah, I like Chandler. I think he's gonna do well in the UFC. Will he be champion? I don't know. That's a tougher question to answer, uh, beyond the Habib question whether he's gonna fight again or not. You know, I think you know, like I said, this is a snake pitted of a division and you know, Chandler could come in day one and lose to Dan Hooker, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, he could beat Dan Hooker and then lose to Justin Gaethje, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I like Michael Chandler. I think this is a good debut fight for him. It's a good measuring stick for him. I think he is legit, but legit in this division and lightweight means you might go two and two in your first four fights.
0: Do you do you like him in this one?
1: I do. I favor him slightly over Hooker only because you know Hooker is also very much like you know, like you mentioned with Dustin Poirier, a guy who you know gives a punch to take a punch sometimes, and and, I, and that's a dangerous game to play. With a really powerful knockout artist like Michael Chandler, so I do like Michael Chandler to get the job done this weekend. But again, when he goes up against a Gaethje, when he goes up against a, a Charles Oliveira, when he goes up against you know a, maybe a Dustin Poirier down the road, those are all going to be really really hard fights for him.
0: He is Damon Martin of MMAFighting.com. And again, if you're into uh, TV and movies, check out his stuff at NerdCoreMovement.com, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Damon Martin. Damon, always good to talk to you, man. Thanks so much for the time, as usual. Uh, Enjoy the fights this weekend. I look forward to talking again soon.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.